This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I am Matt Bungard and with me today, Nick Campton. Hello. I I don't want to wait for our lives to be over. So we'll podcast now? I don't know man, I was catching up on the creek last night. Oh, yeah. Uh, I showed that we're slightly ahead of our time, I think. Just a little bit, a little bit. Missed it by a few years. I guess it was the OC for people slightly older than us, maybe. I Um, guess. I never really watched the OC, though. I needed more Vanderbeek and just couldn't provide it. Yeah, but they had a lot of Adam Brody, which is all I really wanted. I don't know who that is. The guy that played Seth. Did a lot for nerds. Welcome to the OC, baby. Exactly. Um, All right. Last night, we had a game of rugby league football, South Sydney, uh, storming home in a 30-0 second half to uh, take some further air out of the Dolphins' balloon and cement their spot for now in the top four. Can't oh, wait. wow. Look at it. Guys, you should, the, the, the grin that he has, I'll describe as shit-eating. Oh. He's in a good mood. Yeah. Talk I me mean, through it. What did you make of him? Yeah. Um, the first... Uh, I think it's fair to say that the Dolphins will be filthy that they weren't up by more than six points after that first 20 minutes of dominance. I mean, after the initial try and then the couple of sets after that i mean there was a world where they could have very easily been 12 nil up and just really kicked on from there but they were absolutely dominating the territorial battle i think basically the, the game had like a 25 minute period where there was no penalties there was like the Cam Murray high shot on whoever it was and then there was no more penalties in the game until uh the hammer spilled a bomb and ray stone picked it up from in front of him which is like not really like a you know like a violent penalty it's more like a Whatever. So we had this huge chunk of the game with no stoppages, no penalties, and the Dolphins were well and truly on top. Like they were the team, like Souths were kicking from their own 30, their own 40 most of the time, whereas Cody Nicarima was just getting the chance, chance after chance, really, to just put up these attacking bombs from like the Souths 40 or so, and they just kept targeting poor old Tane Emil. It worked the first time, and I think he did do a little bit better after that, but they just kept peppering that side and making Souths start their sets from their own 10, because even when Tane did catch the ball or they let it bounce, like. They were having a lot of joy going that way. And so for them to only be up by six points when Campbell Graham crashes over, when Souths actually do get a look at the goal line for the first time in the match, I think they would have been really disappointed in that. Yeah, I, when you're undermanned the way that the Dolphins are, um, the margin for error just becomes really, really thin and you have to take the chances when they are on offer. You know, like oh, the, the the bad miss I thought was um, when they had sort of that blindside rush and Robert Jennings had a look at the line and... Just sort of, just sort of spilled it. It was an easy pass, and he just put it down. Would Edric Lee have scored it? Probably. Mm. Did South lose this because Wayne Bennett bafflingly hey. chose not to play those rowdy Lee boys? Is is Robert Jennings still working as a sleeper agent for South? Possible, man. Mm. Possible. Oh, yeah. I deep behind enemy lines, deep cover. But yeah, it just it just makes the margin for error really, really thin for the Finns, you know. And felt like they, even though they weren't scoring the points, I felt like they kept pace with Souths for about 50, 55 minutes and then mm. the Rabbitohs just sort of poured it on them, poured it on them on late a little bit. So not not unlike the, the Bulldogs game last yeah, week it was, for Souths. Yeah, it was quite what, similar to that. But what I think is promising is that even though stuff wasn't going Souths way, they just sort of stayed on the job well, and they just stuck with it, stuck with it, stuck to their system, stuck to stuff that, that they know works well and, and stuff that they trust. And then eventually they were able to sort of pour it on late. They were able to sort of graft their way to a place where they could run and gun the way they did in that Well, that's been quarter. the biggest knock on them for the last couple of years, right, is that they're not really capable of playing from behind. They're a completely different team when they're on top and things are going well. But this is now two weeks in a row. They weren't big holes, but it's two weeks in a row now where they've had to dig themselves out of a hole. I like wouldn't that. say that well, they are, Good Friday they, was a hole. They were 6-0 down. 
Well, yeah. Adversity. Yeah, I don't know about um, that. But I mean, no. But what I mean by that is like they've just really struggled in games where they've not gone on top and uh, and kicked away early. So for them to now do that in back to back weeks, I think is quite encouraging. Um, but before we move on to South in the second half, I mean, I know they ended up scoring, I think, a set later anyway with uh, Marshall King. But you and I can. That is one of the worst bomb tries I've Hates ever passing. seen. That's why it doesn't pass. Like, hates passing. Yeah, like, Robert I was, Jennings was completely was, was watching. Was watching, was watching I was watching this at the pub with with friend of the show Joe Barton and his partner Jess. And as soon as Aiken got into space, started screaming, "Don't pass, Ewan! Don't do it, mate! Just take him on. You can't pass, so don't try." Mm. That's a lesson for all the kids out there. If you're bad at stuff, just don't do it. That, that's a great way to look at things. But yeah. yeah, it was weird because South came out after half time and. I don't know what was said to them. Apparently, Jason Dimitri put a rocket up them, but whatever was said worked because the forwards came out. And I think there's a few guys on that South team that either had their best games of the year or their best games ever as a Rabbitoh. Jacob Host is one. Dave Mwale, another. I think he he especially had some really, really strong carries through the middle. Um, we haven't seen a lot of hosts. Like It's not like it's a particularly high bar, but I thought that was definitely the best performance he's put together. Jai Arabagging back in the team makes a world of difference. I think he was probably their best forward. It'll be interesting what happens with the Dally M points. Uh, when they come out on Monday, because this was this was as close to a team performance as I can really remember for South. I don't really think any one or two players particularly stood out. Like normally in a game like this, like yeah, Cody threw a sick pass for AJ's try, and he was very fortunate on that pinball Raiders s try to to get over one himself. And and Trell had some nice touches as well. That nice little ball for Graham's try. But you look at the team across the board, and I think everyone just kind of had a pretty good game, and no one really played like outstandingly so yeah it'll be interesting what happens I just think it was a really good team performance I'm really glad you highlighted Arrow because his inclusion really transforms the South Sydney forward pack for me Mm. I was really excited at the start of this year when we found out that he was going to be playing in the middle that's always been his position I think playing on the edge is something he can do but playing in the middle is what he excels at and his addition with with Burgess and Murray in there that is what and to Tola eventually when he comes back Mm. that's what is what makes South Sydney an elite forward pack is him going from the edge to the middle, you know, and he was probably a little bit short of a run. He hadn't played in a while. You know, the effort on that Jeremy Marshall King try <laughs> yeah, that wasn't great. was really, really bad. But other than that, he was, he was really strong, carried the ball really well. He's more capable as a passer and an offloader than, mm. than people, than people might remember. Um, and yeah, him moving into that role is something I think South fans should be really, really excited about because I know they've sort of had to weather the storm in the middle of the field. Yeah. A lot of injuries and all that and suspensions over the, over the opening part of the season. But Arrow moving in there, to me, signifies that that forward pack's moving yeah. to a different place. And, and once that happens, look, all things become and, possible. And you can't take being healthy for granted, but they're still yet to have Totola and Arrow play a game together. Yeah. So, oh, I guess, sorry. Well, apart Tato- from that. Totola went that, off after yeah. one hit up <laughs> yeah. in the first Apart from game. those 60 fateful seconds yeah. out of Cronulla in the season opener. Seconds. Oh, um, man. But, um, yeah, I think once they get... Uh, I, I don't think Totola is too far away. And once they get him and Havili back in that rotation, I think when they're full strength, they'll be a, a different beast. But, yeah, Arrow, as you said, I think has been quite transformative. Um, the Dolphins, I think, played well enough for half a game. I thought they were physical. But I think they just left it all out there in that first half and they just ran out of juice. I think the the effort that they put in, the physicality that they played within that first half, against a lot of teams, that would have been enough to sort of get them down and keep them down. Like yeah. that's kind of how it was against the Cowboys. Yeah. Cowboys couldn't fight their way out of the hole. So, But I think this will be this will continue to be a bit of a shortcoming when they play some of the elite teams in the competition. Now that the season has sort of settled down a little bit and all the emotion of those first weeks has gone away. I think the Dolphins are going to settle really nicely into sort of like that mid-table, 8th, ninth, 10th, but if you don't come correct, like they'll fucking get you type spot, you um, know? 
two two other incidents in this game before we move on. Um, first of all, what did you think of the Campbell Graham try where you and Aitken hit the deck? I thought Campbell Graham pushed him. I didn't think that should have been a try. Mm. No way. And I guess I guess that and um, the Kenny Bromwich sin bin are the sort of two flashpoints that people yes. are pointing at. Um, that Kenny to me Brom- is a clear sin bin. A clear sin bin, with, without question. And yeah. it's a shame because I thought Bromwich was really strong in this one. I thought it was probably his best game. As a, as a Finn, but uh, yeah, that's textbook, man. The, you can't do that. The Graham one was interesting because, like, and I'm not just saying this because it was South. Like, I'm kind of okay with blockers getting shoved out of the way. I know it's not the rule, yeah. but I wish it was because like, yeah. I hate blockers in general. I do too. I do too. But uh, it's, it's not, not like, like he was running past and, like, just bumped him. Like, yeah. to me, it was like a genuine. But, I mean, my counterpoint push. to that is what's you and Aiken can trying to do other than getting Campbell Graham's well, he can't. He can't disappear. He's, well, where's, exactly. he, where's, well, he, where's he supposed well, to go? Uh, Campbell Graham, the magician, played a trick <laughs> and made him disappear. Um, and I think did a fine job. Given that it. there's a lot of jokes out there about Campbell Graham being a serial killer, mm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he made someone disappear. Well, you know what? <laughs> That's taking on some grim overtones. No, Ewan, don't get in the car. No, Ewan, don't do it. <laughs> try, try. This is a try. Brilliant, brilliant play. I think it's a try. Oh, I don't know if this is going to be a try. Gee. What about this bloke? All right, if you're a new listener to the show, this is our weekly segment where we talk about uh, a player from yesteryear, a guy you might not remember, but as soon as their name is said, you'll be like, oh, yeah, that guy. What's he been up to? Sitting around and naming old football players is the finest thing a person can do. It's literally my favourite thing to do in the entire world. And each and every week, we give one lucky patron the chance to nominate a guy, and me and Bungard will talk about that guy. And this week, dear friend of the show, Joe Bartons, Joe's second mention already, on this episode, strong Manly Sea Eagles man, he has chosen Michael Barney. More games for the Cowboys than Manly. Yeah, I know, but I always think of right. him. I always think of him as a Manly yeah, guy, like a, um, first and foremost. It, was it Roy Satasi played more games for South than the Bulldogs? That doesn't feel right either. I don't know. I feel like Asatasi has a bigger legacy at South. That might be true. You anyway, know? Michael Barney. Anyway, yeah, sorry, Roy. Roy, your day will come. Today's all about Mick Barney. So, mm. first time I remember hearing a Mick Barney is in 07, right? And Manly. Flying high, really good side, second best team in the league, on track for a grand final showdown with the Storm. But week of the preliminary final, Chris Hicks, beloved Manly veteran, injured, can't play. Des Hasler turns to Mick Barney for his third NRL game in a preliminary final. Barney turns up, plays great, scores a try. He's 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 back. He's in. He's the king. And I sort of I remember digging into Barney's background a little bit, even way way back then. And it turns out he's got like quite a story behind him. So he's from Thursday Island, way, 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 way up north. And I think he actually did most of his growing up on some of the islands in between Australia and PNG. And he made a living up there as a hunter, hunting turtle and dugong. Oh. Well, man, you gotta you gotta do something. You gotta yeah. do something, bro. But yeah, and I found this unbelievable feature written by Josh Massoud, of all people, that's from the week of that um of that prelim and Barney's just talking about, yeah, man, all we did up there was all the men that did up there was hunt, hunt dugong, hunt turtle and go to the pub to watch the footy. It's like, wow, that sounds unbelievable, Mick. Oh, what a lifestyle. I'm sad now. 
Why? Leave the turtles alone. No, nah, well, dude, Mick Barney had to eat them to get the protein to play first grade. Mm, he had to do it. It was that. it was him or them. That's true. They are known vicious creatures, turtles. Pff, mate, I'll tell you. Mm. It's rough up there. Rough up that way. But yeah, it's... Um, it, it, so he had, what, three years at Man, uh, three seasons at Manly, 20 games, and then a, a, a huge swap deal with Ben Farrow going the other way. Where were you? Yeah. Where were a you when the, Farrow, when the Farrow-Barney deal a went seismic through? seismic move. Where were you? When the Barney Farrow deal comes through, grown men weeping in the streets. Yeah, I, I fathers was, couldn't look their sons in the eye. Mm. It's one of those. It was one of those times where they cut into the regular scheduled yeah. programming. Yeah, it's one of the real formative events in my childhood. And it Absolutely. was like like nine eleven, the Barney Farrow deal, and then I, I presume there was other stuff as well, but I can't remember them. Those mm. those are the only two real days that existed. The rap on Michael Barney as a player, sadly, is a bit limited. Super quick, couldn't really catch. Couldn't really catch, but always seemed like a um, a guy who was very grateful just to be having a run around in first grade. Another great tidbit in the feature yarn that I found when he was playing at Manly, he never actually left Manly except to go to other parts of Sydney to play games because he <laughs> because he was too scared to try and drive in the big city, which is something I I really um, empathise with because driving in the city is not good mm. and I don't like it. So maybe, I don't know, man. Maybe Mick Barney was the wisest of us all. Uh Michael Barney is currently playing the sorting hat in Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. In that's Melbourne. the that's the really exciting part. I was going to get to that. Fucking so once hell. he once he once he sort of washed out at um, North this Queensland, he played a little bit of footy in Canberra, and I think he got into acting down there. And yeah, and so now he is part of the Melbourne production of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. And he's living life through spiritual and cultural connection, emotional literacy, positive mindset, and best of all, humor. Barney's back. Mate, what a guy. Barney's back, bro. I'm telling you. What a life this guy's lived. It's bizarre to go from living in such a remote community to now being a Broadway star in Melbourne. Um, <laughs> how can you be a Broadway star in Melbourne? Well, Melbourne has a Broadway. Does it? it? I don't fucking know. There's more than one Broadway. <laughs> Nashville has a Broadway. Yeah, I know. But if I say like I'm a Broadway star because people know me down at Broadway Shopping Centre at Sydney, like it's not really the same thing, is it? Nick, it's the most facetious of all our segments. Can you just fucking <laughs> let it slide? Mick Barney. Yeah, but Mick Barney, what a, what, a, what a life he has led, man. Now there's a video of him playing with a turtle. So that's, well, yeah, he's, that's just, he's, just, he's just learning into a false sense of security, man. He's going to get the harpoon Maybe out. his spiritual and cultural connections have led him to not hunt turtles anymore. <laughs> maybe, maybe the sorting hat. Maybe he donned the sorting hat one day and yeah. they sorted him into the house of turtle killers. Must be. Um, also, not Slytherin then because they're the reptiles. That's, they'd be pro-turtle. I don't know. We'll get, we've got to get Barney on speed dial for this one. We probably could. Let's try to do that. Well, yeah, so I, 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 I'm, I was quite surprised at the, the many and varied lives of, if of Michael Barney. you had asked me which former guy was now a, a, a theatre star in Melbourne, I would not have guessed Michael Barney. <laughs> Who would you have guessed? Um, not, uh, geez, that's, that, let, me, let me think. Well, from the, only from the ones we've named so far. Well, no, just generally. I would have guessed, because Kevin Gordon always made a lot of noise about wanting to be an actor. Yeah. I don't know if he's ever any good. Nick but like, Youngquist. Oh, well, he's a model. He's too pretty. I don't think he can act. You don't need to if you're handsome. That's true, actually. All right. So that's Joe. Next Great guy. Next guy. Nominee. Okay. So beloved patron, Rocky and Rafi. Oh. So I want Rocky and Rafi to get together and nut something out and let us know. So drop us a line either by email or on Patreon or what have you and nominate this week or next week's uh, guy and we'll have a chat about him. It's going to be great. I love this segment. And I love all of you. And I especially love Mick Barney. Yes, you do. All right, let's move on to preview the rest of this round's games. Uh, round seven. Jeez, it's been flying by, hasn't it, Nick? Um, 
first up, we have uh, the Cronulla Sharks hosting the Sydney Roosters. Um, one bit of news that happened after we finished recording uh, on Tuesday was that Toby Rudolph is going to be missing 10 weeks of the season. Big loss because they don't really have much of a middle to speak of right now. It's um, a bit grim. And it's, now it's looking really, really tough. I, I think Rudolph Rudolph's a good player, if a little bit limited. I think he's a really good attacking player. I think defensively he can let himself down sometimes. But... In terms of real yardage men, in terms of real meter eaters, it's now looking very, very skinny for Cronulla. Royce Hunt is someone who I had a really big rap on last year, but he's had a really tough start to the season. They're going to need him to really step up, and they really need Cam McInnes to sort of lock down that middle as as, as best they can. Um, and to me, that's where this Sharks-Roosters game is going to be won and lost, because we know that the Roosters, since Hargraves came back, they've sort of looked like a different beast in the middle of the field. Um, and if they can really sort of punch up the Sharks... Then I don't think the Sharks. I don't think Nico Hines in the back line will be able to dazzle them out of this one. So yeah, I know a lot of Sharks fans have big raps on um, Jack Williams. He's a guy that's always had a bit of potential, and they were. I mean, they'd love it if he could rip in now and really start becoming one of those forward leaders that they've sort of hoped he could be over the last couple of years. Because they yeah. need him to, they need I, someone. They just need someone. Yeah, I don't I know, know who it is. Feel, just, they need someone like to have a spark. Feel like with Williams, like it's been next year's been his year for yeah, the last five years. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like. He's definitely a first grader, um, but I feel, I feel like he actually sort of dropped out of the rotation yeah, a little bit last he year. He might have been injured, or I'm not 100% sure on that one. But he's the, like, they need guys like him and uh, Tom Hazelton, who's onto the bench this and week. And big off-field signing, uh, off-season signing, the Oregon Trail. Yeah, how are you feeling about that? I mean, he, he was correct by default because they didn't sign anyone else. Well, no, but I was I was expecting a little bit more from yeah. him, to be honest with you. I was expect, he's To me, he's just been the same sort of player he was mm. at, at Parramatta. I was expecting him to sort of grow into a, a larger role yeah. a little bit. So there's still time. There's it's, still time it's annoying for, all for that, the Sharks. But... I think if they'd won that Warriors game, they could have a little bit more rope in the next few weeks to sort of lose a game that they, they're expected to lose like this one. But now they're kind of up against it. Um, they play the Dogs next week, Cowboys week after that. Like, they've got a couple of winnable games after this one, I suppose. But you'd still like for them to give a good account of themselves at Shark Park against the Roosters team who've been good. But not fantastic. So well, they haven't. But if they, I think if the Sharks make the errors that they've been making, if they give away the yeah, penalties, yeah. They've made, if they have the lapses in discipline and concentration that they've had in nearly all their games this year, if they give the Roosters those opportunities, if they hand them those weapons, then the um, Roosters are going to be able to take advantage of them. And I think I'm expecting a, a big one from the Roosters. I was really let down by them last week. I thought they were actually quite poor. So I'm expecting I'm expecting a good bounce back because Some, that that to me has sort of been. Part of them this year. When they have played badly, they've managed to bounce back. Someone right called James week. Tedesco is back. That doesn't sound like a real person. No, it can't be important. Well, Joseph Suwali is going to be the greatest fullback who ever lived. So That's true. I don't know who this T- Tedesco you said. Yeah. I don't know who he is or what he's about, but... Uh, a new man. A new, new man. <laughs> <laughs> a, fresh, a fresh-faced youngster at the back. Yeah. Um, Did yeah. you know that Tedesco mm. in Italian means the German? That's weird. Extremely weird. Oh, that's that's there was a manager in 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 the Bundesliga called Domenico Tedesco, and he was German. I think I think he's German. So imagine, yeah, yeah, imagine being so German that the people in Germany cool. call you the German in Italian. That's quite good. Yeah, there you go. Do you know any other like? Uh, yeah, he's an Italian German French manager, uh, Italian German football manager. There you go. Fun. Good for him. I enjoyed that. Fun good fact. for him. More of those, please. All right. Uh, 
I might chuck the Battle of Brookvale on this afternoon, Campo. I'm definitely going to watch it this afternoon a couple of times. I watched it was on it was on last night at the pub. They had 360 on in the background, mm. and they just showed a little bit of it. And it was just enough to get the blood pumping. Well, some would argue that that's the real battle every week. The takes flying <laughs> back and Welcome forth. Welcome to the Taker Dome. The sharpest minds <laughs> in the game, battling with nothing but their wits and their lungs. Yeah. Yes. The loudest and most correct takes you've ever heard in your some damn life. Some would say that. I wouldn't. <laughs> but some might. Anyway, um, Manly, firm outsiders here after they were belted by Penrith last week. Um, still no Josh Schuster. That's a problem. Um, who how else, Who else is out for them still? Um, uh, well, Aaron Woods is playing. So who, who else Well, is no, there's, they're skinny in the outside backs. Yeah. Okay. Tui Pelotu's out. Garrick's yeah. out. That's why they're trying to get Tommy Talao to come over from from Wes. Right. Well, he's a good player. He's an he's a player, that's mm. for sure. I um, uh, preseason the, legend Ray Vega is playing. Yeah, so be, that's yeah, exciting. yeah. <laughs> I don't know about this one, man. I I was really let down by Manly last week. The way they were brutalised by Penrith, it's, it's the kind of thing that teams can find it hard to come back from. You know, and, I agree with you. But is this not historically just one of those games where like? Um, like I feel like when they play at Brookvale, like they, they like I think there was a game a couple of years ago where they got flogged once, but I feel like most of the time when they play there, these games are pretty close or manly win. So I, I think not, the Storm will win comfortably, but not like not like the Penrith game last week. Maybe not like maybe not like that, but I the Storm to me they've really got their swagger back over mm. the last couple of weeks. I I quite like Munster moving to fullback. And going with Pezzett and Hughes in the halves, I think yeah, that opens a, I think, up. I know their fans are very excited. Yeah, like that, their I think their attack was already pretty strong, but to me that makes it even stronger. Mm. Um, and while I think the path to victory for the Storm is probably through their physicality and through their effort, they've also got the points that can kind of cut Manly to pieces. Mm. You know what? What was what did you say last week about the Storm? You said they flayed the Roosters on the edge of they the did. on the edges of the field, and I feel like that's we could be in for a repeat dose a of that. You know, a flaying too fast, too flay, baby. Hell yeah, um, yeah. I I I'm now remembering last year's game, which was when was was Manly were up thirty six to six, and they nearly lost. Yeah, that was a weird one. Oh, that was when Pappenhausen could have almost ran a hundred meters down. Yeah, the side it was a very it play. was a very strange one. Melbourne were in a strange place. That was weird. At that was that time. when they were in the middle of the four game losing streak? Probably, dude. Yeah. Last like who, who knows, man. Heady days. Like let's look forward. Let's not look back. Always twirling. Always twirling, baby. All right. Um, the books have got this one as a coin flip. I'm excited for it. Again, the Warriors hosting the Cowboys. The kind of stinky Cowboys. The kind of stinky Cowboys, um, but there are enough outs for the Warriors a lot of outs. to make me think that the, the Cowboys Harris are the chance. Back. Would you like to... He, oh, to? My beloved Tohu Harris might be back. He's going to have to pass another fitness test. You know, so yep. this would be the third. If he doesn't play, that's the third week in a row that they've named him and he hasn't played. But like, um, Wade Egan's out. So Freddie Lassie is starting. At hooker. Tamati Martin's out for a long time as well. So Dylan Walker's playing 5'8". And Walker has low-key had an excellent season playing lock. I think he's been really, really strong. And I saw... I'm sorry I can't remember who wrote this. It was probably our friends um, over at RL Writers, Jason Oliver and Mm -hmm. Oscar something. Um, And they... Someone pointed out that the Warriors have had slow starts all year. But the slow start stops once Walker comes on the field. Once Walker comes on the field is when things change and their attack transforms and they're able to just move the ball so easily from side to side and they're able to attack both sides of the ruck with with, with such sort of speed and, and precision. 
And with Walker at 5'8", I just don't know if that's going to happen. I just don't know if they're going to be able to move the ball as easily from from edge to edge and all that. You know, Wade Egan, someone's had a really another really good season. Freddie Lussick is is fine, no doubt. He's he's serviceable, but he's I don't think he can have the same sort of attacking inspiration that Egan seems to have found this season. You know, but on the other hand, the Cowboys are kind of bad. They are. They get Nano back, which is that's a big boost. Yep. That's a big in for them. Um, and the Warriors, I think their strength has been how physical their middles have been this year. So if Toe Harris does play, they might be able to win that forward battle and then perhaps good things can come from there. Um, with the boost of the home crowd and with the way the Cowboys have been playing lately, I am leaning towards a narrow win for the Warriors. I am too. The home crowd's a big part of it. I think they're going to have a huge like home ground advantage at every home game they play this year. That sounds dumb, but when you think how long it's been since the Warriors fans were able to just go to Warriors games every every other week... And, you know, you throw in the fact that they're doing quite well. And this is a team that's really, really easy to get behind. Like Mount Smart could become like a, a madhouse really, really quickly. You'd the, hope so. The Cows have kept that strange bench of Granville, yeah, Chester, Tanoil, Brown, Price. I really want them. I said this last week. I'm going to keep saying it every week. I want big daddy minutes with Tal Malolo. I want them to really like unleash the beast and, and, and see what's going on. Um, I don't understand why they're not doing that. I think if there is a time to sort of work the big fella as hard as possible, it is now. But it remains to be seen if that's um, if that's what they're going to do, you know. And I think after their attack was so poor against um, the Dolphins last week, it only really sort of came to the fore when, when Drinkwater was getting involved. I, I want to see some big steps forward. It could be real panic stations very quickly for the Cows. Mm, so you are taking... I'm pr- you know what? You know what? I'm probably going. I think I'm going the cows. Okay. Just looking at the looking at the two seventeens again. I'm probably leaning the cows just because I think those positional switches for the Warriors are really stretching them thin, and they're really taking away from some of the things that they've done really well. Tohu Harris, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Wow. Yeah. Can't believe you've done that to poor Tohu. Yeah. He's right. a, he's out this week with a broken heart. <laughs> Five thirty p.m. The Newcastle Knights hosting the Penrith Panthers. It should be a Bumper crowd up there. Big, big game. Um, this was the game last year. I can't remember if it was home or away where the season kind of fell apart at the start of the year. It was, it was, it was out of Bathurst. Yeah. And Barnett sort of clipped Chris Smith with like, not a people's elbow, but not far away. And yeah, and the nights after that strong start they had last year just totally fell apart. But this year, they have kept the falling apart to a minimum. Yeah. Extremely impressive. They have been good. Um, this is going to be their biggest test so far. I'm really excited to see what they do. Um, they're, they're just running out of players though. that's the problem although they do get Tyson Gamble back in the 6 Crossland at 9 um, Kurt Mann at the 14 uh, I wonder I do wonder if they'll switch at kickoff and he'll start and they'll put Matt Croker back on the bench I don't know well I thought Croker was excellent yeah, last week he's, he's, he's someone really like him. there's a certain section of Knights fans who have really been high on Matt Croker for for some time, um, and I'm 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 really into him. I'm really into him. I I like the skill he plays with. I like the mobility that he plays with. I know I mentioned Jack Johns playing well at lock um, the other week, but I think Croker like could has a chance to really really make that spot his own, you know. And while I am really enthusiastic about the Knights and and what's going on and all that, I do think that even if the Knights were fully fit, the footy they've been playing this year is just such a bad stylistic matchup. Like we saw last week, right? The Warriors were able to have success when they kept the ball in play, when they got out of that set-for-set grind with the Knights. The Knights sort of thrive on the on the ragged edge. You know what I mean? They're great off the break. They're great off counters. But set-for-set is not really their strength. And they're coming up against the set-for-set masters. You know, they're coming, into the, they're coming up against the grind fathers. Like I think if Penrith sort of limit 
their errors. If they don't give the Knights the opportunities, I don't think the Knights will be able to create many opportunities of their own, which is why... Here's Taylor rolling the ball end on him. He's after it. He might have got it down. He thinks he did. Oh! Coltrane Cup. Coltrane and the Panthers. Nice. Away, away, away pick. I know I took him a few weeks ago against the Raiders to mitigate my own sorrows, and that worked great. Mm. So I'm taking them again now. Knights fans already think you have an agenda against their team, and this is not going to help it. Did they not hear me wax lyrical for 20 fucking minutes the other day about how good that went over the Warriors was? Nope. Shame on you. Well, good. Fantastic. Great <laughs> stuff, guys. Nah, look. I mean, yeah, look. Anytime you can... They're, they're fifteen on the books. So anytime you get in a way, it's a bit of $1.15. Yeah. I think it's not bad cold training on your part. All right. Uh, let's move on uh, to the... Not Battle of Brisbane, the, the, the Battle of <laughs> Southeast Queensland. The Gold Coast Titans hosting the Brisbane Broncos on the Gold Coast. Well, what I would like to see from Brisbane is a really good return to form. You know, I, I want to see them coming into this game with a bit of chip on their shoulder. I want them to be pissed off about what happened last week, and I want to see them roar back to life, you know. And I, I think there's a good chance you can do that. I know it's it's only a little thing, um, but I remember in the post-match interview last week, they spoke to Reese Walsh, and he looked like visibly pissed off that they'd lost that game. And I hope that's something that they've been able to carry all through this week because, like, there's nothing wrong with dropping a game. When you've got big aspirations, there's nothing wrong with, like, dropping a game early in the season. It's all about how you respond to it. You know what I mean? It's And Brisbane have such a high ceiling this year and can be capable of so much, but an important part of being that kind of team is building yourself back up after you sort of trip yourself up, you know? So I, th- I like the idea of it being a quick deck down at the... At the Gold Coast, I think that plays into Brisbane's hands really, really well. You know, that was something we didn't really mention on the Monday show, but the turf was so bad at Suncorp that it kind of, it, it kind of, it's going to be an issue. It kind of, it kind of dragged the Raiders and the Broncos mm. down into the slop. And the Raiders, they love the slop. They do. They eat the slop. They're born to slop. The Titans are also born to slop, but just in a different way, which is why this game's interesting to me. Because if the Broncos don't come correct, if they think they're just going to turn up and put a put a score on, like they like I think they went into last week's game, the Titans are dangerous enough. To sting them, you know. So I think this this is this is this is a an important game for the Broncos because they're taking on a team that is dangerous enough to hurt them, but but shouldn't be dangerous enough to kill them. So I want the Broncos to sort of be like show those qualities that we all know they have. I think that because last week's game went the way it did, that the Titans will be in a bit more trouble. I think that there is an issue of complacency in what you said there. Had they not already gone through last week's game, where I think you are right, they turned up expecting to win. And we're a little bit shocked. But even then, I think Adam Reynolds had his worst game of the season. I think a bunch of other guys had their worst games of the season. I think basically, apart from Payne Haas, the forwards didn't turn up. And they still only lost by six points. So yeah. if they can right any of those wrongs this week, I think it should be a pretty comfortable win for them. Here's Taylor rolling the ball end on him. He's after it. He might have got it down. He thinks he did. Oh! Cold train cup. And that's why I am cold training the Brisbane Broncos. See, do your Coltrane tips gain extra strength when it's for a, a, when it's a game between two clubs that Dave Coltrane Taylor played for? That's a good point. Arguably, the two clubs where he had his his most wonderful days. I know he played for Australia when he was at Souths, but he sort of he, he won my heart when he when he was a Bronco, and then he at the Titans he was doing crazy shit. Like he played five eight once. He played in the centres once. He scored a hat trick once. I feel like that's when he hit peak. Cole trainingness, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I feel you. I mean, he did score a diving try in the corner on Anzac Day against the Raiders once, if you remember. I think I think I've had that uh, erased from my memory ah, in the style okay. of Eternal Sunshine at the Spotless. Yeah, moment. no, totally fair. Great movie. 
Um, but yeah, I'll take the Broncos. Uh, I assume you're tipping them, although not cold training them. No, I am. I am tipping Brisbane. Um, Kobe Hetherington's back on the bench. It's really good to see. I think he's missed. He's missed a fair bit of time with like a pretty mm. gnarly bicep injury. I think it was. He's someone who, even when Brisbane were really bad, I had a lot of time for. I love his aggression. I love the physicality that he plays with. He's got a little bit of skill about him as well. I actually wouldn't hate it if a few weeks' time Carrigan pushes up to prop and Hetherington ends up starting at lock, um, which I know is a big call given how good Carrigan's been doing. But I, I like the idea of him sort of helping helping to lead the bench with with Tapau, you know, and. While the Titans were really good against the Dragons, and I like some of the spark and, and all of that that they are playing with, they'd have to sort of turn it up another gear. You know, I I don't like anyone's chances in a run-and-shoot battle with Brisbane, you know. So I think the Titans have probably got to play with a little bit more discipline. They've got to play with a little bit more control. And I just don't know if they're capable of doing that. You know, they're great in the slop. I don't know if they can do much else, though. So, But I am looking forward to this one. I think it's a big good one. Absolutely. All right, Sunday afternoon, your beloved Canberra Raiders... Big game. We're finally back to the 2 and 4 p.m. games on Sundays. As God intended. Absolutely. And they're hosting the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Um, shock win for the Raiders last week. Tough loss for the Dragons last week. What do you make of this one? This is a big one for Canberra. Mm. This is a really big one for Canberra because they are sort of through the hardest part of their schedule now. You know, I don't think they have another trip to Queensland except for Magic Round, I'm pretty sure. So they're not on the road as much. They're going to get a run of home games. This is just their third home game of the season. They got the bye next week. They've got a lot of guys back. It's time to it, they got to empty the tank on this one because say they win this game and they go into the bye, all of a sudden the season is really steadied and they're primed to sort of make a strong mid-season run. If they lose this game, then there is no other way to look at this opening part of the season except with utter disappointment, you know. And given the physicality that they played with last week, given the the spirit that they found in that win over Brisbane, I think there's a chance that that's a really transformative game. A little bit like the win over Cronulla at Magic Round was last year. After that, yeah. the whole season sort of changed and the trajectory of what the team was capable of really altered in a fundamental and drastic way. So we're going to see the fruits of... I ho- I would hope that now we see the fruits of that of that Brisbane win. You know, Jack Whiten's back from a two game suspension, um, and I think we're coming up to a really important stretch for him. Not just not just for the Raiders, but 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 for himself. Like for his, for what he's the rest of his career is going to look like if he wants to go to the market and he wants to talk to all these teams and he wants to activate the get out clause and he wants to get one point something million dollars a season. Then you got to show me, man. You got to sh- you got to show everyone that you're worth that. Mm. He's put that pressure on himself now. Like he's put himself in the shop window. He wants clubs to come get him. He wants the Raiders to pony up. It's like, all right, man. You got to show me that you're worth it. These are the games. These are the games. The, the ones that can go either way. The ones where you're playing a pretty good side. When you're playing a side that can hurt you, your one million dollar people win you these sorts of games. Your big name players win you these games. So show me something. Show me you're worth it. Show me you're worth the money. Show me show me you're worth the trouble. Show me what show me what you want people to pay for, man. Yeah, Nick Kotrick back too. Um, is is Xavier Savage playing reserve grade? Xavier Savage is playing reserve grade. Okay, talk me through that. Okay, so I haven't been able to get a straight answer out anywhere as to what's going on there. He's also been named on the wing in reserve grade. Who's playing fullback? Uh, uh, I can't remember his name. Chevy Stewart, his name is. Great, strong name. Yeah, strong name. Um. I might just be because the, the winger jersey. No, it might just because the winger jersey fits him, and okay, the fullback yeah. jersey doesn't. He might yeah. have lost a bit of weight because he was out with the broken jaw. Don't mind the idea of him coming back through Reggie's um, because he did only play, I think, twenty minutes of that trial before he got busted up. So he probably is a little bit shy of a run. And he's someone who actually just hasn't played a lot of football. He only came to it when he was about sixteen, seventeen, and because of the way COVID sort of ripped the years out of the 
developmental pathways. He just hasn't been able to get a heap of footy in over the last couple of years. So I don't mind the idea of him coming back through Reggie's. What I'm terrified of is that Ricky Stewart has seen Seb Chris and decided that's my guy, that's my fullback, which would really, really scare me because while I've loved Seb Chris's effort at the back, I think it's pretty clear he doesn't have much of a feel for the position. No, I would agree with that. So hopefully, maybe they've got the buy in mind and they think give him a couple of weeks to run around in reserve grade. Mm. And then after that, back wouldn't mind that. Wouldn't mind that. Kotrick back. I really hope Kotrick is playing on the same side as Croker because um, Croker sort of said after the game last week that he was sort of slapping Hopawati on the ass and saying, mate, get in there, have a run, have a run, have a run. And that's what Kotrick needs. He needs someone to do his thinking for him. Yep, and Jared fair. Croker can do that for him. And I like the idea of Croker and Kotrick, old bull, young bull on one side, and then the Usos, Timoko and Hopawati on the other side of the field. That's the good stuff. Yep. I like um, that. The Dragons are a strange team. They really could have won that game last week. Um, got away from them. They've had some really good performances here and some disappointing ones. Uh, what 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 will they want out of this game? I mean, obviously they want to win, but I mean, where do they have the advantage? Well, I think the adv- the advantage is in their spine, right, and the way that their spine yes. can connect together. That that's to me has been when they've played well. That's been a real strength of theirs um, through through this season, but. Kind of feel like they're sort of settling into a pattern where if Ben Hunt carries them to a win, they win. And if he doesn't, they kind of can't, mm. which is a bad habit to, to get into. I'm interested to hear what you think about the comments that Ben Hunt made the other day about Anthony Griffin. And he sort of said he does, he's too old to kind of start fresh. It was a, I think it's a pretty, it's a pretty, it's a pretty, um, it's probably as controversial as Ben Hunt's ever been. You know, he's a pretty straight up kind of guy, but very interesting comments, I thought. Yeah, it's 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 not often you get like straight answers out of anyone in any sport, much less in rugby league, where everything is spoken through cliches and any conversations about players' futures or contracts, anything like that. All of that is usually just brushed aside. But so if people miss this, he said uh, Griffin's been here for a couple of years now, and we're building in what I believe is the right direction. I believe if you take your away your coach and bring a new coach in, it's going to start that cycle again. And to be honest, I don't have the time to start it all again. I'm getting to the back end, and I'm not really keen on starting fresh. Um, and then he was asked if Griffin being sacked would you know, make him reconsider wanting to beat the Dragons. And he said, I'd definitely have to think about it and reassess. But yeah, so yeah, it, it's that's about as firm a message you can get from your star player to keep the current coach, which given their results under Griffin is a bit surprising. Is it just... It, uh, their relationship goes back to the Broncos as Ver- well. They've known each other over a so, very long time, yeah. Do you think this is more of a personal thing than a business thing? I uh, Because, I mean, I don't think you can say that their results on the field justify being like, if you get rid of this guy, I'm going to leave. That's the, that's, that, that's, the, that's the thing. The results at this stage don't justify keeping him. And, you know, every loss just sort of adds to, to that pressure. Um, it's, very, it's rare that you'll see uh, a player come out and, like, because all players will say, yeah, you know, we back the coach and all that sort of thing. It's rare that it's this sort of forceful, this sort of naked, mm. you know what I mean? So... I think he is the best player on the team and he is the skipper and you got to do what you can to keep to keep those guys happy and keep them comfortable um but it just it just really feels like the writing's on the wall you know yeah. but I, I I and I as good as Ben Hunt is and we love Ben Hunt Ben Hunt's one of my favorite players in the league I think he's one of the best halfbacks in the league I think over the last 18 months he's playing the best footy of his career but you can't you can't make accommodations just for a single player you just can't do it you know yep. and if you look at the entirety of the roster would you say that Anyone other than Ben Hunt is in the form of their life. Anyone other than Ben Hunt has has really thrived over these last eighteen months under Anthony. Maybe Griffin. Blake Laurie. Well, yeah, but he's just he just does it, man. Yeah, just a, a, tr- a craftsman of the front row forward, <laughs> the front row forward position. 
but no, uh, Rava's been pretty good, but yeah, not really. Yeah, not like guys aren't guys aren't thriving. Yeah. Apart from apart from Hunter, guys aren't yeah. thriving. So. Yeah. So I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah. So I, I I'm leaning Canberra in this one. I think the home ground advantage will be will be really really big. Saints do have weapons that can sting the Raiders. Um, the matchup between Moses Suley and Jared Croker, I think, is one that the Dragons will feel good about because Suley is. I think quietly having a pretty good season. He's um and he's really he's really become adept at using his size and his power and his acceleration all that to dominate one on one matchups. Um, but Kroger's got Whiten next to him and he's got Kotrick next to him, so he's got a couple of big beefy lads as well. So I'm looking forward to to that one. I'm interested to see who comes out on top. Are you gonna go down? Probably not. What are you gonna do? Watch at home. Um, I'm going to the races on Saturday, so I'm gonna sit around and feel sorry for myself Ugh, on right. Sunday. <laughs> Depressing. All right, last game on Sunday. Parramatta hosting the Bulldogs at uh, Bankwest, Combank, whatever you want to call it, Stadium. Um, the Dogs, um, I mean, big ins with Pango Jr. especially. Yeah, but kick out of the big out. But we didn't get the chance getting... to talk about that earlier this week. But yeah. yeah, 10 well, to 14 weeks. After we, yeah, after we recorded as well. Um, Hammer blow. Brutal. They, I mean, they've got him and the Fox sitting on the sidelines. A couple of, like, Luke Thompson sitting on the couple of really good players to sit mm. on the sidelines. And sometimes that just happens to teams and it sucks. But what that does mean is your team's kind of, you know, not going to win a lot of games. <laughs> when, the good player, still, when the good players play, you play good. He's still named at the moment. So we haven't looked at what they're going to do. Imagine if it was all a scam. Imagine. <laughs> would, you, would you expect it to be uh, Jackson Topone coming into the starting team? I know he's a back rower in reserve grade. I, I'm not sure what I want them to do. Like maybe it'll be Corey Waddell or maybe it'll be Topanay or something like that. But I know what I don't want them to do. I don't want them to put Pangai Jr. out no. there. I think in a good team, his spot is on an edge as, as a luxury. He's like an attacking weapon. On a team like this, I think he needs to play in the middle of the field. And I'm really interested to see how he goes. Um, I wrote a little bit about this yesterday, but like if if Tavita Pangai Jr. is ever going to be the player that he has so long like sort of teased to be, it has to happen right now. It has to happen right now. He's 27 years old. He's been in first grade for seven years now. Like he and he says he's he says he's grown up and he's knuckled down and things have changed. And well, okay, I'll take you at your word, but you got to show me that. You got to show me that. You got to go out there and you got to lead from the front for this depleted Bulldogs team. You know they got a lot of grafters in that pack. They got a lot of no grinders, firepower. but they need a killer. Mm. You know they need a hunter. You know, and they've got they've got Pangai well, Jr. Well, Michael available. <laughs> well, no, he's not. The cursed child is running till July. Well, once the cursed child comes to Sydney, Michael Barney's available. He's not coming to Sydney, bro. Well, that's outrageous. I know. Get Chris Minns on the phone. Mate, I'm t- maybe maybe Mick Barney. How after- do I explain to my six-year-old son who runs around <laughs> in his Harry Potter <laughs> costumes every day? Maybe maybe Mick Barney just turned his back on this city after the swap deal. Maybe. Chewed him up he's, and spit him out. Like said, so you know what? Others. This is Ben Farris' city now. Mm. Like a classic story of a turtle hunter who was chewed up and spat out by the big, by Sydney, the big, by city. The big city lights of Sydney. <laughs> anyway, uh, fuck, what a tangent. Um, yeah, he on his day is absolutely fantastic. But I, we, we were talking with a couple of the Panthers fans in the Discord about this because you went back and watched that game from 2021. Easily, the 2021 preliminary final against yep, the Storm. Easily his best moment as a Panther in that short Penrith career. He played 15 but, minutes that day. And they don't win that game, but they don't win that game without him. Yeah. Like he was the one that stood up to the Melbourne Storm Pack, and that Storm Pack had Christian Wells, Nelson of Sofa Solomon, Dale Finucane, and Brandon Smith, Harry Grant. Like it was, it was a red hot side. They'd won twenty one of the last twenty two matches, and people forget now because Penrith have become the gold standard. Like the entire league. But at that point, they were facing the reality of 
two straight seasons where they yeah. were expected to win the comp and then didn't. They were win they it were the they were underdogs that day against yeah. Melbourne. Like a, a lot of people thought that they were going to lose. That they'd sort of they'd cooked themselves the long season and the ravages of that season had slowed them down. And it was Pangai Junior that sort of lit the fuse and got them going. So. Everything that's happened since then has happened, but it doesn't happen if, if, if Pangai Jr. doesn't do it. And that's the thing that I keep coming back to. Like, I know he's been disappointing and I know he's probably he's not got anywhere near the best out of himself. And I know he lets himself down with bad decisions and lapses of discipline on the field. But he is that he has he has that ability to win matches, you know, and I don't want to see that. I know he can do that ability for like a tackle or a set or a half or a game. I want to see it for a month. I want yep. to see it for two months. I want to see it for a season. Like, And if he can't do it now, it's never going to happen. And we're all just going to be sitting around here in 10 years' time and saying, oh, this week's guy of the week, Tavita Pangai Jr. Yeah, Tavita, your goal for the rest of your career is to not ever be on that segment because you're too good. He's too good. I, I expect I expect a lot out of him, and I always have. And I'm proud to carry on the tradition of former co-host Mitch Doyle and in being all in on Tavita Pangai Jr., even though I probably shouldn't be. Yeah, but absolutely. That's the thing. That's that's the guy I'm really looking to to, to lead sure. the way and for Canterbury. And for Parramatta, dude, it's weird because like I thought that against Tigers was probably their worst performance of the season, and yet it was one of their only two wins. And this game with the with the with the forwards that the Bulldogs don't have, with no Ado Car, this is a game that they're heavily favoured to win. This is a game that in front of like they rarely lose games at Parramatta Stadium. This is a game where I want to see more from them. I don't want to see them eke out yeah. a six-point win. Time I want to stop, see yeah, them. Time, time to stop fucking around, boys. Time to they got to get the not fucking around crew together yep. and just sort this out because, you know, it, it, yes, they had some brave losses to some really good teams to start the year, but I don't think they were good enough last week. I know they ended up winning, but, you know, you've got to be better than that if you want to be making any sort of noise in this competition. They're still right now 14th on the ladder. They're still below the Bulldogs at the moment, so... Um, Got to win this game and got to win it well. I think I, I would like to see them win it in in it, like if I was looking for big things for Parramatta this year, which I kind of am. I would want them to win this in a little bit of style. You know, I think you can excuse one sort of steadying win where you don't play your best, but you're playing a bad team, so it's okay. You can have one of them, but you've worked the kinks out now, man. You got some miles in the legs. I want to see the rubber hit the road, man. I want to. I want to see some of that good Parramatta football that we've that they've tantalised with this year that they've given us glimpses of. You know, but I, I want to see now Junior Paulo back, really big inclusion for them. They sort of weathered the storm as best they could without him, but he's the best forward on the team. I think he's the best player on the team as well. Mm. So that's really big. Um, and I want to see Mitch Moses keep continuing doing what he's doing. Was in a very sluggish team last week. I thought he was exceptional. Um, and this is the sort of game that he can grab and control and, and, and really dominate. And that's something that I don't think Canterbury's halves are quite are quite capable of, you know. So if Moses takes control, which I think he will, and if Paulo leads from the front, which I know he will, I'm expecting Para to, to do this one in, in, in pretty dazzling style. Oh, yeah, I'll take Parramatta also. Simi Renrandra trying the chip and chase. Oh, no, it's Simi Redradra. Redradra's away, Simi Redradra. Oh, this will be interesting. Oh, yes, it will, yes. Semi Randrandra. Oh, he's absolutely buried it. Randrandra. All right, bit of news before we get out of here. Angus Crichton making his return to the rugby league field this weekend, playing for the Roosters in reserve grade at Henson Park. Great to see. You've got to love it. I have a question. I asked a friend of the show, Dean Robb. He didn't know. Why? I, I, I understand that they still have a reciprocal agreement with the Bears until the end of this year, so they've got guys going. Why is like every other fringe first grader they have, like Billy Smith, Tupanua, 
couple of other guys. They're all playing for the Bears, but Angus Crichton's playing for the Roosters with a bunch of guys I've never heard of. No idea. Okay. Got nothing. Shit. If the Roosters fans don't know, how can I possibly know? It's not like it's my job to know things about rugby Dean's league. Dean's job Matthew. is to know little persnickety rules about the sport that we don't care about. Not to actually know anything about the ins and outs of team selection. I don't know. It's probably yeah. probably like a weird licensing thing with the New South Wales maybe. Rugby League or something. something. Well, maybe bet- they've got a thing like the Cowboys do where each player is actually optioned to a particular one of their feeder clubs. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Well, anyway, great anyway, to see him yeah, back. Great, great, to, great to see big Gus back out there. Um, can think of no better locale for a nice return to Rugby League than Henson Park. I hope he does great. Yeah. I hope he has a blinder. So, look, I'm not bringing this story up to, like, sort of tantalize ourselves over the rumors. I'm bringing it up so we can have an actual discussion about what they should do if they were forced to pick between these two players because we've got a couple of minutes and I think it's worth a discussion worth having because I think there are differing opinions on this. So, you know, there's ongoing talk about who the Panthers are going to prioritize as their next million-dollar man between Jerome Luai and Dylan Edwards. Of course, there's a world where they can keep both, and I think that's pretty still a relatively likely scenario. But I'm curious to see what you think if you could only keep one of those two players. I've already spoken to a bunch of people hasn't gotten a bunch of different answers. Uh, so it's 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 strange with this one, right? So part of the reason that Penrith lost Stephen Crichton was because they couldn't give him the fullback spot, mm. right? And they had Dylan Edwards and the whole idea was Dylan Edwards, there's sort of a cap on his value and we can use that money to sign other guys. But Edwards has just kept, sort of kept getting better and all that sort of thing. I think the talk about either him or Luai getting a million dollars a season is pretty is pretty wide of the mark. That's a little bit ridiculous to me. And I do think both of them will end up staying at parents. But if I could only choose one, I would choose Jerome Luai. And I don't think it's particularly close. See, I would pick Dylan Edwards. Okay, well, so, you make the case first. Okay, maybe, I, maybe I'm just coming at it from a perspective of when South play them and he's the best player on the field every single time. Well, you, but, you only watch South games, so... That's true, yeah. famously. Um, but for me... Um, Jerome Luai, I know he gives them their swagger. I know he's a huge part of their off-field culture. I know he's he, he's such an important player to everything they do in attack. But I just feel like that without the way Dylan Edwards starts their sets with the yardage, with all the effort that he does, that's I think that is as important an aspect of how Penrith get on a roll in basically every single big game that they win is he gets the ball at the back. He's always there. He's always making efforts. He's always making those tough carries early in the sets. And they're always starting things on the front foot. And... I think a knock on the Panthers a lot of the time has been their left side attack, especially this year, not being as fluid as it was in years prior. So you just wonder, well, I just wonder if a team with another six in that position, I mean, I don't know who it would be. I haven't gone through the bowels of the Penrith system to see who would be replacing Jerome Lloyd. Maybe that's a factor in it as well. But with the fact that Stephen Crichton's already gone as well, that to me suggests that if push came to shove, it would be Dylan Edwards. And, and I think they'll keep both of them. But I think if I had to choose, and I just think that, and I said this to like Shunter and Benny and the other Panthers fans the other day, from my point of view, if my team was playing Penrith in a grand final and you gave me the option to remove one of those two players from the game, I would remove Dylan Edwards. I appreciate what you're saying, right? Um, and Dylan Edwards is such an important part of that Panther team. like, And their, their sort of, their physicality on yardage sets, he, he does set the tone for a lot of that. But I think it's, I don't think it would be overly difficult to find someone else and turn them into a new Dylan Edwards you know I don't want to demean what he's done or what he's turned himself into or anything like that but when you think about what when you think about what he does really well right it's the strong carries it's the great support play it's the effort and all that sort of thing I think you could find yeah, guys I guess you that's can, the you argument can, in your favor right? yeah like it's such a deep position that's right the th- that's the thing like it, like 
say Edwards goes, say Edwards does his knee tomorrow, right? And for some reason they don't play Crichton at fullback. Mm. I think Taruva could end up being a really good NRL uh, centre fullback. You know what I mean? Another like the, point, that's, that's another aspect to it. I, I need to see yeah. more of Taruva at fullback, well, that, and well, maybe that would change my mind. Yeah, and I th- like you touched on how important Luai is to sort of Penrith's vibe, their mythos, mm. right? What they've got, what they've got that's sort of bigger than football, and I actually think that's one of Penrith's great strengths. Yep. And I think what Luai brings. Not off the field, but almost almost outside of his play. I think that's something you can't really put a price on, and I think that's something that would be much harder to replace. Part of Penrith's part of one of Penrith's weapons is their attitude, is mm. their swagger, like it's their hunger, it's their fire, it's their it's the fact that you know that they don't back down, that they will knock you around, that they can be they can be pricks sometimes. Like that's a real strength to them. Their edge is a strength, and Luai gives them that edge, you know. And I think there's a lot of guys out there who can play 5-8. I don't think there's a lot of guys that can sort of give Penrith that that special thing, mm. you know? And I know we're talking we're talking about we're talking about very abstract things here, you know? It's not something that you can put a dollar value on, it's not something that you can put a a number on or a stat on or anything like that. But I think what Luai brings is ephemeral, you know what I mean? And it's eternal and it's something that is hard to find. And they have it, so don't lose it. But I'm with you. I think they keep them both. And they're, yeah. they're both in that basket. I want them to keep both. I too. do too, because the idea of them playing for someone else would, it That's feels really strange. Luai playing for a different team would be more jarring to me. But see, doesn't that just feel bizarre? Yeah. Like he's so Penrith. Yeah. He is so Penrith, not just the team, but the, the district, you know? Mm. So I would, I would, I would, I, I would lean, both. I would lean Luai, but it's for, you won't believe this, it's for emotional reasons. <laughs> I really do. And I, I really do hope they keep both. Yeah. I, I like, do, th- I do think we've got to settle this down a little bit because we're talking about two guys that can talk to other clubs in November about what they're going to do in 2025. Yeah. I just wanted like, to, I just, I think it's a fun discussion. No, now, no, no. It's an I interesting, it's an interesting discussion. Because I genuinely don't know if there's a right or wrong answer. I don't yeah. think it's as clear cut as some of these other cases. Like it reminds me kind of the Reynolds Walker thing. Yeah. I saw the, the, the young fullbacks coming up at Penrith, a uh, kid named Jesse McLean, who's mm. meant to be really good. Taruva, who we've seen in first grade this year, who I think is having a really strong season. And um, I'm probably going to butcher his name, but I think it's Isaiah Ayongi, mm. who played in that um, Jersey flag team that won the comp last year. And then the up-and-coming 5'8 is a kid named Jack Cole from Orange. Strong name. Great name. Strong name. No-nonsense beat cop, Jack Cole. Hunt, dude, a hard-boiled private eye who used mm. to fight Philip Marlowe in Raymond Chandler and all this shit, bro. He sounds like a big sleep character. It's good shit, eh? Um, yeah, I haven't seen a lot of him, but they've got some pretty big raps on him out there. I think he debuted last season in one of those games where they just play a bunch of kids. Yep. And I'm pretty sure he's captain in reserve grade at the minute, which is a fair rap for someone his age. He's only about 20 or oh, so. Shit. Good on him. So, yeah, just another country panther come to town. Hell yeah. Um, George Williams is staying in the Super League. I think the, the Tigers were sniffing around for him as a possible halfback option, but that's a shame. He was really good at the Raiders. I mean, I know it didn't work out for various reasons, but still only 28. Still could have plenty off the NRL, but is re-signed with Warrington until 2026. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of closing the door on the NRL for him, uh, which, you know, I loved him at Canberra. I thought he was really, really great, and I actually thought the way the club treated him and the circumstances leading to his exit reflected really poorly on the Raiders. Um, so I'm always a fan. I always want to see him do all thought he was superb in the World Cup last year. Thought he was in that semi final against Samoa, he was he was in a beaten team, he was my man of the match. I thought he was terrific. Mm. Um, he's a player I absolutely love watching and I'm sad that I won't be able to watch him as much because watching Super League is hard. Yeah. It's not easy. Mm. You've got to carve out time. I don't have time. And you have to watch the Super League. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Cop, cop that. Cop um, that, England. Yeah, Souths had their last training session at Redfern Oval uh, yes, uh, the, the day before yesterday. Did you go down? No, I didn't. You should have. I didn't know it was happening. I'm so out of the loop that I'm not in the like, everyday sort of grind. Only you knew someone 
who worked at Souths who could yeah. have pointed you towards that information. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, probably. Probably. That oh, would have helped. That would have been helpful. Well, I, like, I know for a fact that a couple of the injuries they had in the preseason were caused by the shitty turf at Redfern Oval. Um, so I guess the move is overdue. But it's still sad. Yeah, oh, there's, there's two things There's two things I don't like about it. I, I, I know that the turf was bad at Redfern, right? Mm. But I loved that it was such a part of the community that you could just go... Like, if you lived in South Sydney Territory, you could just go down and watch yeah. them train. and people did. Yeah, and people did all the time. Like, when I went down, when I went down there to do media stuff, there's always just, like... Old codgers sitting there in the stands watching it. them go through the go through the steps. There's a little cafe there. If you go in there, like there's always you know like Bob McCarthy's yeah, in there, or like the, some some old Souths bloke and, is in and there. It's, and like, and it's even, so of the community, and which even I when really like. Working, they come up and talk to you and stuff. Yeah, it was, it was great. It's really yeah. So it was really cool. It was a great a great vibe down there. Um, the other annoying part is now they're moving to Maroubra and it's further away from it, my house. It is further away. <laughs> it's a bit, and, it's, and, and look, if, if people aren't from Sydney, basically the entire Eastern Suburbs was designed to keep the pause and the people from Western Sydney out by deliberately making the public transport as shit as possible. So if you, like, if you, you like the beaches, for example, are notoriously difficult to get to because there's no parking and the public transport sucks. And now they've moved into that uh, enclave. So great. Fantastic. <laughs> so annoying. I have driven past her a couple of times. It looks really nice. So I'm sure it does. Mm. Sure it does. Um, yeah, I'll go down and check it out at some point. But they need to have some one of those little community shuttle buses to shuttle the Codgers from Redfern Oval to the new set. You know what? I'm starting to think they didn't consult the Codgers at all before this move. It does feel that way. What, what if we became freedom fighters for the Codgers? What if we stood up for them when no one else did? I don't feel like there's any cause that we've ever believed in more than standing up for old Codgers at the pub slash footy oval. Do you think Do you think we'll become Codgers? Do you think like we'll age into that eventually? I'm struggling to see a scenario where we don't. Yeah. Unless I die because I see something shining on the other side of the road and run to chase it and get hit by a car. What? Why would that happen? I don't know. Are you, are you, a, sm- are you a small dog? Are you just becoming more and more like your shitty little dog, Link? He's not shitty. Yeah, we had to stop the podcast. You called, it, you called him a shit pig before we started recording. Well, I mean, he did bark and we had to stop recording. Yeah. So. <laughs> but he's so cute. Sure. Yeah, you played fetch with him. That happened. I didn't. I, I threw his toy away. We didn't play fetch. Twice. We didn't, we didn't, play, we didn't play fetch. <laughs> you played okay. fetch, buddy. Played, I got news for you, baby. That's fetch. And before we get out of here... Well, it, there's oh, a little bit of breaking news. Literally. Like, I was literally about to end the show. The, the, news, the news hath broken. Mm. Corey Horsburgh and Hudson Young both re-signed with Canberra. Oh, those are good re-signings. Yeah, it's good stuff. I'm happy about it. Uh, Love them. Yep, both good players. They signed to they signed to join Canberra, Young from the Knights and Horsburgh from the Cowboys, mm. on the same day. That's How about fun. that? That is so very their fun. fates are intertwined. Well, Canberra. I'm happy for you. We're out of time. Two, so. of, my, two of my absolute favourites, those guys. I love them, love them, love them. Absolutely. All right. Uh, before we get out here, I'd like to give a quick thank you to the people in the top two tiers on our Patreon subscription service. Uh, if you'd like to support the show financially, go to patreon.com forward slash NRL Boom Rookies. You get access to our Discord server discount on merchandise. A third podcast every single week. Every single week, Nick. They get an extra podcast. Every week? Every week. Wow. What kind of value are these handsome boys offering? <laughs> I know. Um, and, and plenty of other things as well. So thank you to Chris Abnell, Cry Ricky Cry, Dave, Rocky and Rafi, Stu, Butsy, Chewbacca Snuffleupagus, Dan Cullinane, David, Doc Hogg, an anonymous backer, Ed Burton, Frankie, Horsburgh Scoresborough, Jace Felix Farmworth, Jason, Jez, Joel Wrigley, John, Josh Brandon, Kick South Out of the Comp, Lachlan Hancock, Lifelong Dolphins Fan, Luke Charles Smidmore, Luke Ferguson, Maddie Jenkins, Matthew Duggan, Michael Murray, Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins, my team's bench is your team's marquee. 
My ding ding dong is hard and I am sad. Never trendy. Pat McManus, Ray Stoned Gossard, Reese Brown, Rowan Edwards, Roxanne Clark, Shunter, Simo, Ty, TB, The Black Vegetable, Thor, Tom Hardy, Was, and Westlife's podcast. Thank you so much for your support to everyone in the lower tiers and to everyone who just listens. Thank you as well. If um, if you're on that list, you're my best friend. Wow. Yeah, friendship can be bought for you're the low, 40, low price you're of whatever those people pay. 47 best 47 friends. 47 best friends. If you were like... And I, and I will rank them now from 1st to 47th. Why was there never like a, a movie made about like a kid who makes too many promises at school with other kids to be his best friend, but then he has to have his birthday party at McDonald's and he can't invite all of them and the chickens come home to roost? Why are you giving away this, this Oscar-winning idea? All right, we should make this patent movie. pending. We'll yeah, fix it. We'll fix one it. One tiny thing before we like it was funny. So we went to watch the game last night at, at Poppy's house, and um, we stopped at Awafi, the Lebanese chicken place in Reesby. Um, they were out of chicken, which in itself was quite funny. Um, didn't affect me obviously. It got falafel, but Charlie got lamb or some shit. But th- we did watch. We sat there and ate, and we obviously watched a few people come in and try to order. And some of them were like, oh, fine, just give me beef instead or give me falafel or give me whatever. And some of them were like, only wanted chicken and left. So this big unit strolls in and he asks that he wants a half chicken and the meal thing. And they're like, oh, we're out of chicken. And he goes, ah, that's all right. And he trudges off. He gets halfway back to his car, doubles back, pulls the wallet out and says, actually, can I have a medium garlic sauce, please? And me and Charlie looked at each other and go, he is 100% going to Woolworths right now <laughs> to, to, to buy a chicken in a bag and dip it in that garlic sauce. Hell yeah, brother. And I, I salute you. And that's eyes up footy. That's, that is eyes up footy. That's good he stuff. He doubled back. Oh, man. He got halfway like, back to his car. Wait a minute. I can have it all. <laughs> a hero. If you're listening, you are my new hero. Oh, he's my 48th best friend. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Quick amendment. I've got something wrong on that young Horsburgh stuff. They're about to re-sign they haven't done it yet well we're gonna look foolish when Horsburgh signs for the Dolphins in three hours time oh why would you say cut that cousin Corey wouldn't do that without my consultation cut that that. yeah alright say goodbye Campo bye guys and it's goodbye from me